If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is Talking Tech with Alex Zaharoff Reut on today's News Talk TNT. Well, thank you for joining me for the fifth episode of Talking Tech with Alex Zaharoff It's been a huge week of tech as it is every week. And today we'll be speaking with Shane Muller of mental well-being organization SafeWatch and also David McIntosh, the senior cybersecurity solutions engineer at Acronis. But first, here's some of the big news stories of the week. Now, over the past couple of days, OpenAI founder Sam Altman of the company that brought ChatGPT to the world has introduced the company's new text-to-video capability called Sora, S-O-R-A. So various examples can easily be found on the social media site X, and the quality is incredible. The video created looks incredibly realistic, and Sora isn't even available to the public yet, but will obviously be launching soon. Another company called Pika.art has launched something similar late last year, and Google has two projects to do the same thing, one called Lumiere, the French word for light, and also a project called Video Poet, but neither of which are truly available for the public to really play with as yet. Now, we'll no doubt see many more such efforts arriving from all the major AI players, and it won't be long before some kid or anyone in their basement or bedroom is creating the next big TV or movie hit, disrupting TV and movie studios forever. Yes, direction and production will be issues, and there will be many amateurish attempts, but people won't just be making hit music at home anymore, but hit entertainment, all simply by asking AI models the right questions and then editing it all together. This also dovetails with the news that since Google launched its most advanced AI system yet, called Gemini Ultra 1.0 last week, this week, just a few days later, it has launched Gemini Pro 1.5. Now, the Pro version of Google's AI system isn't as advanced as Ultra, or at least as advanced as Ultra is supposed to be, but Google is already claiming that Pro 1.5 is virtually as good as Ultra 1.0, and clearly, Google is waiting for OpenAI to launch its super advanced GPT-5 AI model sometime in the next four months. It's meant to come in quarter two, and I suspect it will be coming sooner rather than later. Now, Google will obviously be ready and waiting to strike with Ultra 1.5 or 2.0 soon after, and the AI arms race will speed up to even more unfathomably fast levels, evolving so rapidly, we might wonder if we've already entered Tony Stark's Age of Ultron, where AI threatens all of humanity. After all, the main message of sci-fi writer Aldous Huxley's book, Brave New World, written decades ago, is a warning to all that advanced technology could take over and humans could also lose their humanity. His novel is a reminder that it's important not to get caught up in physical pleasures and to follow one's own path, even if it's away from the group. And of course, you could say that's exactly what TNT Radio is doing by following our own path, not uh, following the mainstream media group at all. Now, the AI news does indeed continue with Microsoft issuing a press release not long before we came to air, uh, which I got from one of the people at TNT, it text, it tweeted it to me, and it's titled Technology Industry to Combat Deceptive Use of AI in 2024 Elections. Here, we learned that 20 leading companies, including Adobe, Amazon, Google, IBM, 
Meta, Microsoft, OpenAI, TikTok, and X have all pledged to work together to detect and counter harmful AI content. Now, the announcement took place at the Munich Security Conference, who, uh, where those companies pledged to help prevent deceptive AI content from interfering with this year's global elections, in which more than 4 billion people in over 40 countries will vote. Now, interestingly, Meta, which was once known as Facebook and obviously still runs Facebook, is also a signatory. But given it is hard to trust anything Microsoft, sorry, given that it's it's hard. So it's, you know, it's hard to trust anything that um, Mark Zuckerberg says, given that he's been on a 20-year apology tour. I mean, Facebook's been around for 20 years, and he's always apologising for something. So we'll just have to wait and see how true these companies uh, are to their word. And we, we must also note that big tech censorship was and continues being a problem that we, the people and the users, have no guarantee won't happen again. And clearly, for some companies at least, it still happens to this very day. So they're calling it the Tech Accord to Combat Deceptive Use of AI in 2024 elections. And they've got a bunch of commitments to deploy technology countering harmful AI-generated content meant to deceive voters. Of course, they could be used to deceive us. We just don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, signatories say they pledged to work collaboratively on tools to detect and address online distribution of AI content to drive educational campaigns and to provide transparency, among other concrete steps they're saying. And they talk about a broad set of principles. Uh, these are that, uh, let's have a look down here. These are that uh, developing and implementing technology to mitigate risks related to deceptive AI election content, including open source tools where appropriate, addressing models in scope of this accord to understand the risk they may present regarding deceptive AI election content, seeking to detect the distribution of this content on their platforms, seeking to appropriately address this content detected on their platforms, fostering cross-industry resilience to deceptive AI election content, providing transparency to the public regarding how the company addresses it, continuing to engage with a diverse set of global civil society organizations and academics, and supporting efforts to foster public awareness, media literacy, and all of society resilience. So look, let's uh, hope that's the case. There's also a couple of bidding, bit of conflicting Apple Vision Pro headset news. One says that the headsets are selling like hotcakes. The other is that the 14-day returns window is uh, already here. And some people have been returning the headset because it's a bit too heavy. It causes eye or neck strain. And also it's expensive. And people know that a lighter, cheaper and faster version is coming, you know, sometime next year, if not 18 months, but it's on the way. And uh, even Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg has in the, got in the act of being an influencer who reviews things and noted that uh, the Bear Quest 3 headset could also do the floating windows in space thing. And it was seven times cheaper. But uh, yeah, I don't know if... Um, Mark Zuckerberg can be trusted once again. But the age of augmented reality has arrived and the competition will be even fiercer than the world of smartphones has been to date. Now, look, it's now time to have a chat. I'm just scrolling down here to uh, our first guest, Shane Muller, the founder and CEO of SafeWatch at safewatch.care, an organization that is making a real impact in well-being. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Alex. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Now, Shane, for those who are unaware, and before we get into exactly what SafeWatch does, what is the problem that you are solving? You know, when did you realize that this was a growing issue, uh, prompting you to do something about it? Absolutely. Uh, so essentially, the problem we're solving is the challenges around the world when it comes to mental wellness. Um, I uh, made a claim in 2019 that we we want to make an impact and uh, address this challenge uh, that in 2019 was quite uh, staggering. So I took a whole 12 months, uh, all of 2020, to sit on the, the topic of why and why do this. Uh, and in that 
period, I did some research, Alex, and the first one was, you know, when I looked at people struggling for mental wellness, one of the most common things when unfortunately someone was at the extreme end and they chose to uh, suicide or actually take their life, which which is a very uh, dire situation, the, the most common uh, phrase when the people here were interviewed or asked or questioned about it, one of the most common phrases uttered was, I had no idea. Mm. Or a variation to that would be, I didn't think it was that bad. Then doing the research even further, I found that most of these people had no uh, lack of love or care. They simply missed the cues and they were not able to see the cues with their dearest friend, a work colleague for 10 years or, or what have you. Um, th that was the first part of the research. And the second part of the research was, you know, when people ended up erring to the red spectrum of mental wellness, Mm. The two things we noticed in our research, the first one was isolation increased for that individual. And the second one, which is which may be a controversial topic on this uh, session here, and I'd love to dig into it, mm. the use of technology increased for those individuals. And in what I have researched, uh, what I found is the technology use has been what I would call bad tech not necessarily good, good tech. Mm -hmm. So that's really the why and, 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 and what we're trying to solve. And that's the aspect and issue of mental wellness within our, within this our world, really. So how does SafeWatch actually do its work then? You know, and how is modern technology, including apps and blockchains, helping that happen? You mentioned the bad aspects of tech. Tech can be a bit like a drug. But uh, what are the good aspects that you and SafeWatch are promoting and, and using? Absolutely. So we founded what we're doing, Alex, on some research in, uh, initially done in the UK uh, that uh, the research shows that when people live in a community and they're in, on their recovery journey, they increase their speed by almost about 90%. That's part one. Part two, when they continue to remain in a community, their buoyancy increases, the chance of them dropping reduces. So uh, taking that aspect, what we have adopted is a concept of what we call a village approach, where with the app, you're actually able to connect and build your personal, individual, private village. Each and every person can download the app and mm -hmm. build their private village. Now, unlike most social media platforms where you, you would build your network or, or, or followership and its success often is based on uh, numbers of followers or, or, or friends. When it comes to SafeWatch and the concept of the village, it's not based on the quantity, but a very, very high level of quality. Uh, so within a village, you'd have people who know you, people who get you, people who can help you, people you're helping. You're essentially building a very private village. So what we're doing is we're using technology as a platform, A, to connect people who would be the closest to them. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, SafeWatch will do what it would do best, and that is provide insights. Because remember the first uh, point I mentioned, most people say, I had no idea. And they could be best mm. mates. And best mates have said, I had no idea. So what SafeWatch would do is show insights to a best mate or show insights to a parent. This is actually how your mate or your child or what, whomever the person is, this is how they're really going. A and B, SafeWatch would prompt the person to literally do something about it. 
So what we're doing with SafeWatch is we're not relying on technology technology to be this uh, magical pill. What mm -hmm. we're doing is we're A, looking at the insights and, and B, providing prompts so the human being, so that the, the friends, the people with the relationship can get in their car at 11.45 at night, drive across town and go be with their friend who actually is in a, in a very, very dire situation versus the alternative of uh, probably scrolling through some uh, technology or listening to a bot uh, around uh, gaining some help. So that's actually what we're doing. We're using technology to really help enhance the human element, A, and B, going back to one of the most powerful uh, mechanisms that we've had in our time, and that is the concept of community or the concept of a, a village because if we live the research says in the in a, in a form of a community or village with relationship uh, we increase our chance of staying buoyant versus now, the isolation yeah so with with the app are people actually doing anything in the app are they getting any sort of therapy in the app and uh if whether they are or they aren't i mean how do you within the app you know invite your friends i mean a lot of people who would have mental wellness issues wouldn't necessarily want their parents or colleagues to know they might want this all to be private. So how are people getting the therapy and, and how are you inviting other people to, to be part of that group so they can never say, I, I didn't know that uh, my friend was having mental issues and, you know, I'm very sorry that he committed suicide uh, and I, if only I'd known. Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, what we're doing is we're putting this within the individual's hands. Mm -hmm. So it's up to the individual to invite and build their village. That's part one. Um, no one can barge into somebody's village. You can't use advertising or you can't barge in to someone's village. You, the person literally has to share a QR code. I have to scan a QR code of yours and vice versa for mm -hmm. us to connect. There's no other way to barge in. That's the first part. The second part is people within the village because there's a lot of carers out there, families, friends, who can see someone actually struggling. They would go out and actually build the village around John Smith or Mary Jane or whomever the person is. And a key thing to remember is there is complete choice and discretion to the individual on who they invite. There are some people who would invite family. There are others mm -hmm. they'll never invite family, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, and, and, and that's for them. There are some who may invite a work colleague. There's others who will never dream of work, inviting a work colleague. So it's very, very individualized where people choose who they'll invite. That's the first point. The second point is... It's not about, as I mentioned before, the quantity. Because mm. in our research, we found if someone has even one person in their village, there could be a celebrity that every one of us, you and I, and every one of our, our listeners are here right now are listening to, it could mm. be a celebrity that the entire world knows. But if they've got one person in their village that they can share the what we call the lowlights of their life, mm -hmm. because social media and all the other platforms typically are there for the highlights of people's mm. life, not the lowlights. And, and, and it is a challenge because there's a big gap between that reality and where they really are. So even if they have one person, our research that shows that one person can make a difference and that one person who's got their back will actually be able to see how they're tracking and actually engage with them. That's the first, that, that's that point. The other point is they're able to invite uh, practitioners, the mm -hmm. psychologist, psychiatrist, if the person is seeing one.
Now, not everyone has the ability, luxury, affordability to see one. Uh, it is a challenge in different parts of the world. But if someone is seeing a mental health practitioner, they can invite that practitioner and the practitioner will see exactly, like a stock ticket, exactly how they're going. And when they are in therapy sessions, be able to pinpoint very specifically their conversation and their, their, their dialogue instead of wasting five to 20 minutes on that initial preamble. So how long have you been in operation and what has the response from the public been like? Absolutely. So we have been in operation about three years now, Alex. Mm -hmm. um, and that three years has been saturated and inundated with research and development. It's, we're very heavy in our research and development. And we only just launched the app just a few months ago at the end of 2023. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have a massive uh, song and dance about it. Uh, but we we had an amazing response to the launch. We've had amazing response, A, from mental health practitioners, and I'm talking mm -hmm. different types, with psychotherapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, etc. We've had very positive response from government agencies who represent the health sector. We've had amazing feedback from patients or uh, people who've had lived experience, uh, which has been tremendous. And we've had amazing response from what we call carers at large. Australia has over two and a half million people who are carers, be it paid or unpaid, that provide some form of care. And uh, it's tough being a carer because you feel often you're alone and, and, and you carry or shoulder the burden of care often more than the person who's receiving the care. So the response has been positive. Granted, we haven't done a big launch uh, around it. So people are still seeing physical practitioners, but they have an online community that they can reach out to and, and who can keep an eye on them. Uh, and uh, it's uh, something that um, is really, it's all about connecting people using technology, but they're still seeing physical people, right? Absolutely. So our ethos is to enhance the human element of care. We're using technology, but we're using technology to enhance the human element of care. We've ensured that within the app we've, we've built SafeWatch so that it's non-addictive, uh, which mm -hmm. is counted in most technology because technology has this sense of luring you in. It does two things. Mm. A, it lures you in, and B, it often numbs you. If you spend enough time many people will have experience that luring and numbing. And you don't tend to walk away after spending three or so hours on technology and going, life's brilliant. Typically doesn't happen. So we've ensured that it's very short, sharp use of the app, provide great insights, ensure we can foster the human element. And also going back to the practitioner, the practitioner, when they're seeing patient John, they can actually go, this is how John's feeling and John has tracked himself over the last three three weeks, but they're able to see everyone in their village on how they've absorbed, observed John going as well, which actually provides a very rich camera angle lens, a figurative camera angle lens into mm -hmm. the person that they're actually providing care for. And furthermore, the, that, that practitioner is able to enlist the village and use the village almost as a scaffolding to help John get on track and step out and do life as opposed to having this reliance relationship on the practitioner. So how do people get involved? How do they find out about it? And what is the cost to take part? 
Absolutely. So right now, uh, the fee we have for the service starts at $25 for practitioners. And in time, it'll be around $9 for uh, individuals and carers to use the application. It's freely available right now to download on the App Store and the Google, Google Play Store. Mm -hmm. uh, it is as simple as downloading, registering, and connecting with two, three people. That process should take around two minutes. It's literally that easy. You download, you register as a user or practitioner, and you start scanning uh, QRs with people in your village, be it in person or on, on a, on a you know, video call, and build your village that way. And then once that essential part has been done, which takes a couple of minutes, then activities and feelings and, 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 and all these other elements of care are able to be populated within the app. Is uh, any... AI in use. I mean, we live in the age of generative AI. It was the big craze of 2023. It's about to get even bigger in 2024 and everyone's adding it. So uh, how are you using AI to uh, enhance what you're doing? Absolutely. So we have um, an AI, we have a personality within the app that we call Ella. So Ella is there. Ella will keep being enhanced as the AI, that personality. However, we're taking a very, very, uh, uh, slow and steady and cautious view because we feel in our research it's only a matter of time before there's litigation towards AI uh, businesses for providing information that lets someone off the rails and that would be very very catastrophic because we're dealing with people by nature who are not necessarily uh, buoyant anyway so it is a very high risk area but we are looking to enhance a Ella because essentially Ella will be uh, able to read all statistics and focus on what we call leading indicators. That's mm -hmm. our objective. If you're able to provide leading indicator insights through Ella's AI to a practitioner or to self, the individual themselves, that will help increase their awareness on how they're going. And we feel that will be a tremendous gain as opposed to real uh, looking at things in arrears or lagging indicators. Now, we also spoke before we came on air about how uh, security is uh, extremely important with all the data. People get hacked all the time. And you've got a, a novel way to make sure that even if SafeWatch was ever hacked, no information, no private information could ever leak out. So what's the story there? Absolutely. So we say to the market, Alex, that we protect your privacy, even including from us. Mm -hmm. Because our view is if people out there on the planet are going to use a mental wellness app and share the most vulnerable thoughts, journals, med, medication, mood swings, whatever it may be, it needs to be protected even from the company's internal staff. Mm. And I, am being a technology person and engineering from a background, there are not many apps in the marketplace where you can say the administrator, the global admin or the developer has no access. I can only think of the, the closest thing I can think of, maybe Bitcoin, whereby you lose your access. You can't call a you government, you can't coins, call yeah. someone to get you in. You, you, you're on your own. Mm. So we've created something that we feel is relatively, uh, I shouldn't say relatively, exceptionally disruptive within the marketplace, mm -hmm. whereby when someone registers and, and creates that login, they're composing their own key without uh, a master key visible at that point in time. They have their own key. We don't have a master key. And then with that, they can start sharing and they control within their app within their fingers, literally who accesses what. So privacy is within their control. Mm -hmm. We don't have a back door in. 
uh, uh, be it from an admin or from a corporate point of view. If we're 100% acquired the data, there is no factor in to who's who using the application, which we've, uh, from our research, is very disruptive within the med tech space. As a matter of fact, it's disruptive generally, whereby no global admin has access. Now, before we sort of get to the closing questions, is there anything else that we need to know about SafeWatch that uh, you'd like to let us know about? Absolutely. So SafeWatch, uh, I would say, is not an app that you would use just from a point whereby you want to have some therapy sessions now with a psychologist, you use it for a season, then you walk away. Because mm -hmm. in our research, Alex, we found people can be hovering around at eight for many, many years in their life on a scale of one to ten. And then some event can happen and they can drop to a two, which is exceptionally risky uh, for, mm. for a person uh, because something in their life changes. So we have found, and, and in our research, this concept of living in this care community or this concept of having this village, or as we like to call it, help someone build what we call contextual villages based mm -hmm. on the context of life. So if you're a professional, you have this contextual village. If you are uh, a new mum, you have a different contextual village, et cetera, et cetera, that changes with your life. Having this throughout your life and being able to, A, transparently let those who have uh, got your back know where you're going, and B, being able to reach out to them immediately is absolutely crucial. Where else are we going? We will be looking to launch SafeWatch for the workplace uh, later this year. And we're also uh, going to be focusing on launching SafeWatch for youth. Essentially, one app to actually address various demographics, essentially helping bring people closer together and combat well, isolation, in essence, which is an absolute silent killer for every type of person. And look, just before we go, is there a memory of your first computer that you'd like to share with us? Uh, absolutely. So my first computer was a Sinclair ZX81 uh, computer with, uh, I think it only had a, about a K of RAM and we had to, to add the 4, 4K extra RAM. Uh, it was actually given to my sister. I gracefully helped her set it up and claimed it. And Alex, my fondest memory uh, was at the age of 10, myself and my dad uh, working away. I had no idea about accounting. He had no clue about computing. But together, uh, through amazing collaboration, uh, I was able to build a payroll program while I was at 10, go to wow. school. Um, yes. About 370 uh, staff a firm, and I'm told got paid very, very handsomely. So my first experience uh, and my first step into entrepreneurship started at the age of 10 on that Sinclair ZX81. Incredible, incredible. You, yes, you were a, a tech entrepreneur from a very early age. Well, look, Shane Muller, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Shane is the founder and CEO of SafeWatch.care, and I do hope we can speak again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Alex. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Now, uh, before we go to a break, TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. Now, TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do, crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. 
Now, in two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. I myself donated 50 US dollars yesterday because I certainly believe in TNT Radio and I do hope that uh, you will find it in your hearts to be able to do the same thing and help us to continue. Look, it's now time to take a break. We'll be talking to David McIntosh from Acronis afterwards. This is TNT. TNT's Alex Zaharoff-Roy. The big thing that people are not doing uh, is using a virtual private network when they're online. So please do that. Make sure that you're also using things like password manager. Make sure that you're using things like a, uh, a system to make sure that you uh, always get a Google authenticated code. Don't use the uh, SMS system that uh, sends a text message to you. Very convenient, but really not uh, the safest way of doing things because people can be simjacked. This actually happened to Jack Dorsey, the guy who's in charge of Twitter. Talking Tech with Alex Zaharoff-Royt on today's News Talk. TNT, a better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20 and 21, only a couple of days away, at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice, broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. Then, TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. Also, the London premiere of the trust fall julian assange will be at rio cinemas on sunday the 18th of february at 1 p.m that's tomorrow this film will be followed by a panel discussion and q a with Tariq ali who's been confirmed christine Hranson, who's confirmed and hopefully stella assange to find out more go to google and search for the trust fall julian assange london premiere lighting the fuse for freedom this is today's new talk tnt and it is now time to introduce david mcintosh the senior cybersecurity solutions engineer at Acronis Australia and New Zealand. David, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Alex. Good to be here. Love your accent too. It's uh, fantastic. Now, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to, to join us live. Now, before we go any further, can you please, please tell us the short story of who Acronis is, how long the company has been in existence and what it does? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, look, Acronis is probably the best way to describe it as uh, the most mature startup. Um, we've just uh, celebrated our 20th birthday, so happy birthday to us. And um, uh, we founded in Singapore in 2003, and, and, and we've metamorphosized since then. And the reason I'm saying most mature startup is because we, we started off um, – with, with software that did stuff like, um, you know, uh, disk migration, stuff like that. And we've, we've totally metamorphosized into this holistic 
data protection platform um, uh, a, f- a few years back. And in that uh, in that whole journey, we're, we're, we're a company of uh, about just a, around 2,000, 2,000 bodies and souls in the company. Uh, and as I say, head, we're headquartered in Switzerland and with international office uh, headquarters in, in Singapore. Um, so like I say, what, the reason I'm saying that that mature startup is we've, we've got that uh, global reach but uh, we're, we're that scale where um, we're, we're small enough to largely know who everyone is. And when, when you need something done, it's very easy to tap on someone's shoulder. So that's, that's a roughly the size and scale of who we are. Sure. Now, I know that Acronis works across consumer, business, government, you know, managed service providers. It's something that you're very big in and more for PCs, Macs, smartphones, tablets, servers, data centers. So uh, you just told us you're a 20-year startup and you've got 2,000 people, but how big is Acronis in Australia and globally? Yeah, well, like I say, we, we've, um, when we, we pivoted into um, what you would call data protection for managed service providers, um, right about, right about the, the 2018 mark, so a few, a few years ago, but long enough to be experienced at it. And um, we're, we're looking at something like, you know, 400 million US dollar size revenue. It's in, in that, that ballpark, uh, give or take. And what we've done specifically in, in Australia, New Zealand is, again, focusing on the managed service provider space. Um, we've really, um, really since COVID, uh, lit a fire under the market and we've become very, very successful in the, the Australian, uh, Australian New Zealand marketplace. Um, that with we, we we count you know hundreds of service providers as as part of our ecosystem, and we're we're talking the likes of you know everything from uh, from from a one man shop uh, out in the back of Burke all the way to some of the very well known uh, service providers and even telcos in, in Australia and New Zealand. And these are the companies that are helping all the other small businesses, small to medium businesses who don't have the money to set up their own security departments to basically outsource all of that backup and patch management and endpoint protection to a managed service provider who's on selling your products and services. And that is keeping them safe and secure from ransomware and hack attacks and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we what we see is um, the, the way that obviously the, the digital transformations work for everyone. And this was especially apparent during COVID. You know, everyone started working from home or not everyone, a lot of people working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was that that general trend towards, you know, everyone's life becoming more digital. Um, and so what happens is the, the, there was a, a, a need for um, cybersecurity expertise that way outstripped the supply of uh, cybersecurity experts. So this is very much somewhere where managed service providers come into their own. Uh, and so what they what we're able to get then is these little concentrations of expertise within a service provider um, so that we, we don't all have to reinvent the wheel when when you can concentrate uh, expertise in, in the hands of some really experienced operators. So yeah, that's it's it's a model which is very uh, mature and well adopted in Australia New Zealand. You know, when I when I uh, deal with my colleagues in, in Asia, they they are far more, uh, uh, I would say, towards more traditional model of IT consumption. But uh, no, in, in Australia and New Zealand, we're definitely at that, that cutting edge of a more cost-effective and secure way to um, to, to procure our IT and, 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 and live our digital lives. And given that uh, we broadcast globally and we have a very strong viewership in the US, the UK and Europe, is uh, are those markets similar to Australia in, the, in our adoption of technology and the use of managed service providers? Oh yeah, absolutely. We see a very clear uh, link 
with, with the, the market in, in Australia, New Zealand, and with the, the US, Canada, and and Europe, Western Europe in particular. Um, and as I say, it, it is this. Uh, there's this recognition that um, you, th there is a more efficient way of doing things. Benefit from the the, the economies of scale of using something like a, a service provider because the, the typical profile of, of service providers are these were experienced IT professionals who've set up their own practice, and you're very much benefiting from that. And, and we, we we do see that model replicated uh, uh, replicated globally. Yeah, yeah. Now, AI has been the craze of 2023, and it's going supernova in 2024. So how is Acronis harnessing the AI and generative AI revolution for its products and services? Well, you know, that's 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 a, the real $64,000 question. You know, I, I've mentioned a couple of times, you know, things changed the pandemic. But I would say there is a, a massive structural change in IT security. Uh, with the, uh, I, I would I would correlate it with the launch of ChatGPT, and the, the two things that we we saw was number one on the on the side of the the bad actors, um, there was a, a massive, shall we say, democratization of a of of malware skills, mm -hmm. which. Basically, what we saw was um, uh, people who were who were already writing malware and were they were a bit middle of the road. What was happening is they were then harnessing uh, AI and ChatGPT to absolutely up their game. There was two things that happened there. We, we saw uh, uh, an improvement in the quality of things like phishing email. It became quite convincing on on a scale that we hadn't seen before. And then secondly, the ability for them to adapt uh, their their malware very, very quickly. So you would get, like say, you could get someone of medium skill, all of a sudden was being upskilled and writing some really potent malware, which was able to then exploit cutting edge uh, or, or, or likes of zero day exploits, which is previously not possible for, for that range. So what we saw then was a, a it was a, a massive spread in the number of, of potent bad actors. Now, on the flip side, mm -hmm. in companies like Acronis, what happened is like we, we've been, we launched our AI uh, initiative in, in uh, malware protection in 2016. So again, we've, 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 got the, uh, we've got the chops of having been around and doing this for a while. And what we've been doing is we've been integrating AI to trap things like zero day threats and, and and the various types of, of threats you would see. So, for example, I'll, I'll give you an, an example at a, at a kind of technical level. Is um, you know, we've got an email gateway which will be which which scans for you know threats which have been completely unseen in the wild before, um, but they will maybe have behaviours like account elevation stuff like that. That has and using techniques that have never been seen. But equally, what we've been able to do is, is harness harness the likes of um, generative AI uh, to do stuff like a uh, incident response. As I say, cybersecurity is complicated and it's difficult, and there's it's it's very difficult for humans to keep on top of this. But what we're able to do is say, right, if there has been a cyber attack, we can use AI techniques to, to understand what a zero-day threat, what it did, how it attacked, uh, and then how to remediate. And it's, it's almost like having your, uh, you know, in the old days, you always had your reference manual on your desk. It's like having one that's just bang up to bang up to date all the time. So that, that's proven very, very powerful as well. And this large language model, this generative AI, can also explain to the, to the end customer uh, what happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and like, say, if you're 
if you're if you're going and searching on, on knowledge based forums and and these places, um, you're very much at the mercy of a people knowing what they're talking about and b it being up to date. But yeah, these these large language models, they um, they are so current and up to date, and they they are able to address, as I say, any uh, any threats that just have never been seen before. They're absolutely powerful, and as I say. Um, you might not always have time to keep on top of security the way you should. That's okay. That's that's what it's like being a human being. Um, mm -hmm. But having um, a, a, having a, a, an AI engine there, which is actually on top of it and doesn't take a break, is absolutely one of the most most potent uh, game changers that I've seen in, in the security space recently. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now, there's also the issue of data privacy, and given that Acronis has a huge business in backing up consumer and business data, what challenges has Acronis had here in upholding the highest data privacy standards, following all the data sovereignty laws, encryption requirements, and more? Yeah. Oh, now you see, this is that's very much getting to the heart of the matter. Um, so one of the things that Acronis does, and given our heritage, we um, um, we, we, we're a data protection company. And what this would mean is like uh, not not just cybersecurity, but also backup. And one of the things um, that, that that's an absolute touchstone is it's your data. You're trusting it to us, but it's still your data. So we absolutely take um, complying with the the the, the, the standards absolutely um, as as fundamental to how we approach it. So I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, it's something as simple as the data centers we have globally. They comply with um, uh, SOC three. They are, they are uh, we we uh, their data 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 center type four, uh, and and also the, the platform itself where we were we're compliant with HIPAA. Uh, we are uh, compliant with GDPR. We are also a. a monitoring you know private identifiable uh, private identifiable information. Um, so it's like using these frameworks absolutely gives you a solid basis for, as I say, um, being trusted with your data. This is like I say, it's not ours. This is your data we are, that we're protecting. And there, there are as well, you know, as I say, uh, the, the simple techniques of like all data should be encrypted both at rest and 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 in transit. And and it's also the um, the safe disposal of data. You should be able we we can we can verify that you know once it uh, once it's no longer required. Um, uh, that, it, that it's safely disposed of, um, and and you're kind of you're, you're kind of getting to the, the the heart of the matter here as well. Um, we we have seen definitely here in, in Australia in the last last year, so some very high profile um, data breaches. Mm, absolutely, um, and and these these are replicated worldwide. But um, and what what has been quite interesting to see is how this has impacted the government's approach to data retention and privacy. Um, and, and when we see this in the uh, in the, the Australian government's um, proposals for legislation uh, all the way up to the year 2030, it very much is is driven by stuff of, uh, like, is, 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 is data secure? Do you still require it? What happens to the whole lifespan of that? So yeah, there, there's, there's a, it, it's, it's, it's um, taken very, very seriously. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, the, I mean, the intensity of cyber attacks really jumped during the pandemic because the bad guys uh, knew that people were at home. They weren't uh, necessarily behind their corporate firewalls, had insecure yeah. devices at home. And of course, over 2023, we had uh, this boom in AI, which you've already explained, you know, saw people who were like script kiddies who are sort of very junior in their ability to to break in suddenly gain all these extra superpowers because AI gave it to them. So, I mean, we, we, we still are in the biggest rise in cybercrime ever, and it, you don't see any signs that it's going to calm down anytime soon simply because AI is becoming more intense, not only from uh, the bad guy's point of view, but from you guys trying to fight it all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, th th there's a phrase which actually absolutely holds true here that um, there's nothing new under the sun. And, and that's yeah. true. Um, the, the methods of, um, of, of attacking people people's data and denying them access to the data, you know, like some ransomware or whatever, they, they do use some very well understood foundational principles. And one of them is get to the human being as fast as possible. The human being is, is generally, generally the weakest, weakest link in the chain. So that's why you get phishing emails. They, they, they're trying to encourage you to click on something and, and, and human beings can make decisions like type in a password which can give you account elevation, things like that. So the, 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 what we've seen is absolutely, as you say, that, that acceleration that has allowed a lot more threat actors to be able to access the human being more credibly with better crafted emails. And, and, and I've certainly, personally, I've seen this, the quality of phishing emails that, that I see is, is, is outstanding. Um, and we have to remember, um, we're in, in in the IT industry, and I'm sure uh, most of the listeners are, are very IT savvy. Um, but again, one of the things that's been identified uh, moving forward by um, by government policy is because we're so reliant on digital services, um, you know, for our online banking, you know, buying a house, it's all electronic. Mm -hmm. People are getting older, and as you get older, there's an inevitable cognitive decline, and as people as you as you just get older and you're not as sharp you're not you're not as nimble on your on your toes or your keyboard as you used to be mm. but the um uh, but the, the the bad actors using AI are getting sharper so that's absolutely something that um is recognized and that's a that's a medium horizon issue that we're going to have to deal with and again not just in Australia as aging populations everywhere will be will be embracing that over the next 10 to 20 years. Yeah, and that's called business email compromise. It used to be just phishing, but but people's people are getting fake emails purporting to be from a, a different a real estate agent's account, and it's oh, pay the money here, we change banks, and next thing you know, your million dollars has gone to somebody else. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and the, the, we see this as well when when you look at the uh, the, the spread of of how cyber attacks are targeted across different countries and different geographies. Um, High-value OECD countries, and you know, like so. Again, I'll just use Australia as an example. What we've got is um, the average house transaction. You're, you're looking maybe a million dollars changing hands. That's mm. a lot of money in anyone's book. And what happens is um, emails can be sent and, and transactions can be sent, which are completely innocent and pass every security filter. So you can send an email which is purely text. There's no mm. malware in it. It comes from a, a reputable domain, um, and it's it, it's just text, so it will not trigger any alarms anywhere. And this is a good example of where we use AI, which can then read that text and say, well, 
what context of language are they using? Are they trying to invoke urgency also? Are, are they using uh, things like, yeah, recognisable bank account details, things like that? And even if they try to obscure them with maybe putting it behind a URL, you know, pointed to a site. And again, this is, this is again where, where AI absolutely comes in uh, as, as a good defender in the future uh, of, of people trying to pass themselves up as, as innocent. So, yeah, yeah. Now, I know that you're more into the business side of things, but we like to cover both business and sure. consumer topics on Talking Tech with Alex Ahad of Roy. Now, people know of the Norton 360 and they know of the McAfee security suite. So what is the Acronis version, both for businesses, you know, small to medium businesses and for consumers at home? Yeah, so we um, we've got a we've got a product called a, a, a Acronis Cyber Protect Home Office, and um, that's very much a shall we say that's very much beloved in the country in, in the company because that's the one with the longest heritage, and that's that's certainly where where our history was, and it's it's one of these things. It, it it's it does replicate the the Acronis approach to data protection, which is this. It's you. The likes of, a, of an antivirus is not enough. If you take the analogy of a, a, an antivirus, that's like a safe, and the safe is there protecting your data. That's good. But the best way to approach something like data protection is saying, well, okay, how can I, uh, what, what can I do before the data's in the safe, and what do I do if the safe gets stolen? Something like that, or something goes wrong. So basically, the, the, the attitude is this, is um, obviously, uh, plan for the best, prepare for the worst. So uh, we we do things in in the uh, the cyber protect home office, like do vulnerability scans ahead of time. So to so that you're 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 not getting it. Your 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 safe is not getting attacked by dynamites. Like we can we we will we will try and protect ahead of time. Also, um, again, this is this is a very fundamental first principle um, engineering principle, which is if something goes wrong, what's your fail safe position? Um, even with the best will in the world, human being, beings have developed this software. Um, no software platform, no antivirus is 100% all of the time. So that's why built into Home Office is the backup product as well. So that's your, consider that's like your insurance policy. So even if your safe is cracked, how do you get it back? And it's all, that's all integrated that way. So it's a kind of a, a before, during, after approach is, is kind of that's that's how we uh yeah that's how we would approach that yeah yeah well i've got a couple of closing questions to ask you but let's just take a quick break you're on tnt give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg fresh off her court victory worth over 83 million dollars over donald trump of course columnist e Jean carroll appeared on the rachel maddow show and expressed her euphoria by making this offer to maddow You've talked about using some of Trump's money that you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, or, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such, such great ideas <laughs> for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely <laughs> new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Nothing. Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing nope. in France? No? Oh, all right, all right, okay. That's a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, is it just me? Or does Carol's offer to Maddow seem to cheapen? 
and delegitimize all she says she stands for. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Even the thought of dementia can feel scary. It's why we put off getting help, even though we've noticed changes in our thinking or memory. But an early diagnosis can change everything, giving you medical help and a support system around you to help you live better. Start with Dementia Australia's online checklist. Because the sooner you know, the more you can do. Alex Zaharoff-Royt and Talkin' Tech on today's News Talk TNT. Now, we've only got a, a couple of minutes left before we need to go, but uh, David, very quickly, what is a memory of your first computer that you can share? Oh, um, well, my first ever computer was was a ZX Spectrum, so that, that kind of uh, dates me a little bit. But Same probably, as our previous uh, guest. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So that's that good. But probably probably the memory that, that, that was with me more is... Um, my background was in biological science, and, and when after I left university, I got a, a seasonal job at um, a computer factory, and it was um, it was Digital Equipment Corporation, and that was making personal computers, and that was really how I ended up in the IT industry. It just it just took off from there. But, so I remember not my first PC, but probably my first thousand uh, assembling <laughs> and putting. Yeah. And, and and those days, um, the likes of, of memory dims, uh, they used to be stored in a, in a metal cage. Uh, with 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 security was up up to the eyeballs with it because it was about two hundred dollars a megabyte. Incredible, and, yes. And and those days, and that was obviously what happened is PCs had just taken off, but memory manufacturing hadn't caught up. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I even the, yeah, even the cheapest hard disk is like fifty nine dollars for for a terabyte. I mean, that's a spinning storage, but uh, the SSDs are a lot cheaper as well. And of course, memory itself is is much cheaper than it ever was. David, what is your final message to the people watching and listening about uh, Acronis and cybersecurity? Well, I, I think um, what I would say is, is, is more about cybersecurity in general is um, now I work in cybersecurity, so I, I, I see the casualties every day sort of thing and, and prevent the casualties. But yes, things can be things can be bad if you, if you get caught, but your biggest defense is common sense mm. and what I've seen is those who adopt the common sense approach early on, they are the ones that, that that go home happy generally. Well, David McIntosh, senior solutions engineer at Acronis, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hope we can speak about Acronis again in the future. Thanks very much, Alex. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, a little bit more news. IBM has turned one hundred years old. Now, you might think, well, hang on. Wasn't IBM around in the 1800s? And their parent company was. And in fact, if you go to IBM's website, they actually celebrated a 100th birthday uh, 10 years ago. So why is it that IBM is again celebrating its 100th birthday? Well, that's because uh, when they uh, were changing the name on February the 15th, 1924, they were changing it to the Computing, Tabulating and Recording, well, changing it from CTR, the Computing, Tabulating and Recording Company, to International Business Machines, 
or the IBM that we know today. So they actually are the granddaddy of, you know, the granddaddiest of all tech companies. They've been around for a long time. And in fact, it's uh, not too many companies can claim that. Another one is Nokia, starting in 1865 with a single paper mill. They were near the town of Nokia. And of course, they're now today one of the biggest providers of uh, mobile phone towers and networking and other mobile equipment uh, that is powering the 5G and the coming 6G revolution. But IBM today says it brings together all the necessary technology and services to help its clients solve their business problems and they still produce hardware supercomputers ai systems like watson they work in the cloud and so much more they used to say that nobody ever got fired for buying ibm and today i don't think that has changed now i also want to say don't forget to watch me with chris smith every wednesday in australia between 4 30 and 5 p.m chris's show is on between 3 p.m and 5 p.m monday to friday there's tons of other really great content on uh, tnt if you've missed your favorite tnt show or interview simply listen or watch it when you want whenever you want just visit the episodes on the tnt radio website page uh you can look at us at rumble.com bitshoot.com or brighteon.com we're also on all the major podcast platforms including apple google spotify amazon podbean iheart and tune in so there is no reason to miss on anything from uh, tnt radio and if you love a good documentary we have plenty of those too on the new cinema section of the site thank you so much for joining me i'll see you next wednesday i'll see you next saturday this is tnt radio.live